Hello, everybody, and thank you, Janet Lee. Those were comforting songs. That's great. And, again, we carry on with the GOG Factor and the Alpha Fan Worlds, uh, Part 9. And we have been through some awesome teachings. And many of you people have called me, written me, commented, and... It's been very, you know, very positive, the attitudes that you've shown in receiving this word. And uh, we thank you for your support of, of prayer and support of comment. Uh, we, we appreciate that so very much. So today, we have a lot, a lot to cover. I want to, I want to take you some interesting uh, places. Um, I want to have you turn with me in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. And there is a verse that's very interesting. And I want to read this to you. It's verse 52. Matthew, uh, chapter uh, 13, verse 52. And here's what it says. It says, Then said he unto them, Therefore, every, every, no exception there, is there? Every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something in that scripture that is outstanding because it says that every scribe this is a person who is dealing with the word of god writing it out that every scribe uh and then it puts it into the vernacular of being a human that is a human and that is associated that is involved with that is telling the story that is interpreting the story that is prophesying the story revelating the story uh, about the kingdom of heaven, it says very emphatically that they will go into their treasure. And we know we, this treasure is talking about the treasure of the word of God and the revelations of God. And it says, will bring forth out of his treasures things new and old. That is so important for you to remember that scripture. Because as we have explained to you out of Revelations 1.14, when the angel told John, you go and you write that which is, that which is to come, and that, uh, that, that which was. So that which was, that which, which is, and that which is to come. That is what he was to write. That goes along with this scripture that Jesus gave in the 13th chapter and this 52nd verse when it says that every scribe, every scribe that is really anointed of God, is really called of God, every scribe that has to do with the word and the interpretation of the word and the prophecy of the word and the revelation of the word and the manifestation of the word is going to have a treasure. And that treasure is going to going to have more than one thing. These 
some of these people that are out there trying to be scribes, trying to think that they've got the whole word, and they're just talking on one subject. They don't have a treasure. They, they, they just have a small little fraction. You know, they're dealing with the, not with the, the whole fishes and the whole loaves. They're, they're dealing with the remnants that was left over. But God has a whole word and a whole manifest revelation. And you're going to have in that old things, ancient things. You're going to be able to go back into time. And then you're going to have, obviously, what is between, which is what is right then, from which you are going back to something else. And then from right then, to, so that you are going forward to a future, to a new time. So you have the old and the new treasures. And that ties into the last chapter of the book of John and the last verse. If all the things were written that should be written, I suppose that not even the universe could contain it. And which was true. And Jesus said, go ye into all the universe. People say, no, it doesn't say that. It says, go into all the world. <laughs> you need to look up that word. You need to look up that word and find out what that word is, what it comes from. It's the word for world. In most of the cases, especially in the book of John, means cosmos, which means universe. So we're showing you something here so important. Now, interestingly, this 13th chapter of Matthew is an absolutely awesome scripture. There is no question about that. It is absolutely an awesome scripture, awesome chapter, because it tells us something in the 13th chapter and 24th verse, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, this enemy came and sold, the enemy came, or his enemy came, and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared the tares also. Now understand that the, that the harvest represents people, but the tares represent something different. And yet they grow up with the tares, and they grow so close to the tares, so involved in, in relationship of space, uh, the tares in, uh, uh, grow so uh, uh, involved in relationship of space with the harvest, with the wheat, that if you go to pull the tear out, you might pull out some of the, of the harvest wheat. So ex exactly what is that tear? Well, uh, I think that, you know, it's a general enough word that it can represent different things at different times uh, of, of the episodes of, of, uh, of time. Now, if we go over and we look at, at uh, you know, at the interpretation of, of, that Jesus gives, verse 37, and he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of of the wicked one. Now, this is so important for you to understand this. The wicked one, which is referring to Lucifer, Satan, has children. 
and his children are growing up side by side, but they don't look like wheat, they look like tares. Now sometimes those children are demons, and they, are, they have possessed the harvest. They have possessed the children of God. And there are times that you just can't get a deliverance for that person of their own will without possibly destroying them and their hope and their life and their religion and their faith. So Jesus goes on and he says in this 38th verse, when he says the tares are the children of the wicked one, the enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Now we have proof here that Lucifer, Satan, the devil, which the Bible calls him all those different names, that he was involved in creation. He was sowing things into the harvest. So if anybody tries to say, when we go back to Genesis, that it was only God that was doing this, that's because they don't know the Bible. Now there was a, a time that the Bible calls a sleep. That's an interesting word. Because we know when people died during the time of Jesus, there were some of these people that Jesus would say, this person is not dead, he sleepeth. And the disciples would say, oh, what do you mean, Jesus? How can that possibly be? Well, if he's sleeping, that's great. What are we worried about? And Jesus just, you know, was sometimes astounded that his disciples could not catch on, that this was a spiritual revelation, this thing about sleep. Now, we know that, that this man that it was referring to was a beloved person, and, but there were others that it also referred to. Once a little girl. But we know that there was an, an, uh, a sense in which that person was dead. But we know there was another sense in which that person was not dead in the sense that people think of death. And that's why Jesus didn't stumble on the cross when he said to the man who was trying to, trying to get things straight and begin, beginning to recognize that Jesus was more than some regular mortal. And because of the things that man said, he said, this day will you be with me in paradise. Of course, that was upper Hades. But still, in that Tartaru, Jesus went there and preached to those people who were sometimes disobedient, as it says in the book of Peter, during the time of Noah and the flood. Now, they were just in the sleep. They could have been in the sleep for three days. They could have been in the sleep for a year. 
They could have been in the sleep for hundreds of years or thousands of years. But the sleep means that they still have the power to be regenerated. They still have the power. They've not gone into the second death. So until they go into the second death, they're still in the sleep. They can still be regenerated. Because there's a time and a chance. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes for every person. So every person is going to get the chance. When a, when a baby dies, that baby di didn't get a chance. If it, if it dies before it's been able to live, and it's going to get, it's going to get a chance. There is regeneration. That's the Word of God. It, it's all through the Bible. That's not the subject I'm preaching on today, so I haven't got time to go back over scriptures I've already gone over many times. But that's the, this is the fact. This is the treasures, old and new. Just a little particle of them, but it's still nevertheless a part of them. And now you've got tares. And you've got Satan involved in, in creation. Well, guess what? There are some incredible teachings in, the, in the, the Genesis story, it tells it so beautiful in the translation, in the interpretation. In Genesis 1-1 King James V, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And that's beautiful enough the way it sounds, but it's not totally explanatory. But you could use it just like it is and then interpret every word and it would have soundness. But it's so much easier to have the Genesis manifest interpretation which says, from aforetime, manifold God had created the heavens and its matter. Now what this does is something that they're not smart enough to do in New Age because they go to the word Elohim and they say, aha, that's a plural word. Well, it's a very complicated word. It is plural, but it also can be singular, depending on how the verbs and how some of the various English uh, is, is, is set. Uh, and, and there is a difference from one kind of language to another. But the, the real beauty of, it, of this is what the, the, the manifest has done. It says manifold God because manifold God includes God and includes the angels. Or the other, our angels are also called gods. You could, if to, to differentiate, you could put a small G instead of the capital G. So you have the capital G, you've got God and his angels. Now, God isn't coming down in the first presence. The first presence of God never leaves the first domain. The holy of all holies never leaves it. But he does come in his spirit form by the Holy Ghost. So when his angels go out, they're doing like what Jesus did. Jesus went out and he says, I came here not to do my will, or to do my works, but I came here to do the, the will and the works of my Father which is in heaven. So whatever my Father tells me, whatever my Father shows me, that's what I do. 
So the angels, of course, are supposed to work that same way. So when the Elohim angels are going out to create, they are supposed to be creating by the Holy Spirit of God. So they have the, they themselves, the angels, as instruments and vessels who are operating by the Holy Spirit to do the creation as God would have it to be done. Now we have some interpretations that come up in um, the book of Genesis that really have, you know, in one way sort of messed a few things up because, you know, when you start saying that everything that's created is good, uh, that becomes a conflict to the, to, to the Bible. When Jesus said there's no man, no man, that you should call good. Only the Father is good. Well, if there's no man that should call good, then why should you call a snake or a donkey good? If every time you do make a creation, no matter whether it's a snake, a donkey, uh, uh, an alligator, or, or some kind of uh, exotic uh, germ, you say, oh, that's good. That goes against the theme of how God talks. And when you really interpret that word correctly, it, it, it doesn't say good. It says, as, 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 as God accounted it to be. And there's scripture in here to show that that is what it is, you know? Or that God called it to be. As God accounted it to be, or God called it to be. And that's what it's really saying when it's talking about all these different creations, because during those seven, not 24-hour days, but seven generations, which it des describes and explains in the second chapter of Genesis, that these days were generations, there were things that happened that not by any way of deeming it could you call it good. Otherwise, you got the whole creation good, and something that's good, how does it become bad? Someone said, well, that can happen. Well, yeah, it can happen. Because all things are possible, aren't they? But in all honesty, you got even the devil being called good in here. When you interpret it that way, and that's not how it was ever meant to be interpreted. So ladies and gentlemen, we need the peace, the peace Bible to get out. We need it to be printed for the world to have it. And that ark is coming up the road. Blessed be the name of God. Now, there is something that's not anything less than incredible. And I've chosen to read this to you before I get into the Gog thing and some of the questions I was going to answer. Because it is just so epic. It's just so, so absolutely precision of of the truth. Now, we can begin to read some awesome things uh, here in this this incredible directive of the Word of God. For instance, in Genesis 1-9 in the KJV, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. 
And the MIV says, Therefore, a manifold God directed the physical streams of energy to materialize in dry solidifications, and it was accounted to be. And it was so, they have used that, and it was, and it was good. But it was so is far more correct and far more along the line than God accounted it to be. Now, you can get that word accounted if you go through other places in the Bible, and remember, remember the Bible is one book. And it all has to coordinate together and cooperate together. And it talks about the accounting of God. And that's a very important element of consideration. Now, we can go on to some other awesome things, and we will. We want to uh, just briefly mention... The days of creation, the generations of creation, and we want to we want to cover that so that you can see how incredibly awesome it is the things that that God is doing and has done that which is old, that which is new. Now, when we talk about and the earth having lost instead of uh, the earth was this or was that. We're, we're talking precisely proper uh, dynamics of language. The Hebrew verse hata is not simply a copula, but the actual verb denoting existence. The Hebrew verb hata should be interpreted became or existed or as inferred having lost instead of was. Because when hata is followed by a preposition, the tense can be used in a natural sense to mean a past tense grammatically uh, uh, of, of tense of grammatically in construction. And the word as uh, translated was, uh, you know, is, is, a, is a form of, um, that can be looked up in Strong's Hebrew lexicon 1960 was. 1961, and, uh, and it shows in there to become or became. So it's very interesting how that, uh, depending on the flavor of the interpretation or the translation, uh, you, can, you can go opposite directions with it. And it's very important that whatever direction you go, that it is the right direction. Because if you don't go the right direction, well, you're going to have a lot of people hanging out there just not really knowing the truth. But one day, you must know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Blessed be the name of God. And we put in there in Genesis 1-4, and God saw the light, that it was good. And that's okay. But, you know, that is old-fashioned and dim of connectedness. God saw the light. It's like, the light was already out there, and God saw the light and said, Oh, look at that. Goody, goody. That's really good, that light. Ah, uh -huh. isn't that neat? Well, I think I'll use that light. But the MIV says, Then manifold God spoke, said, Let there be aura. And then in Genesis 1-4, he said, So it was, manifold God visualized the aura. It's not that he saw the light and said, oh, I, that's a good thing right there, I, I see. 
No, he visualized it. And when he visualized it, it was created. Blessed be the name of good, of God. And, and that light, that beginning light, was not sunlight. But if you look up the words carefully in the Genesis, you'll see that it was aura. Now those are just a few points. There's so many. But we've got to move on because I want to get to one particular thing. In Genesis 1.5, it says, And God saw the light... God, pardon me, and God called the light day, and the darkness called he night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. In the Genesis 1-5 MIV translation, subsequently manifold God titled the aura, the dawning, and the darkness untitled convolution. Thus this period of dawn and this period of convolution became the first generation age. If the night was not a convolution, then would Jesus ever have had to say, work while it is yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. We see that there is a, a calculation by the Holy Spirit, a summary showing that the, the metaphorical aspect of what night and day stood for had specific application. And in this uh, specified application, night is a time when no man can work. And there isn't anything that makes a person more unstable of measure, of balance, than the term convolution. And we could take that a lot further and be more technical about it. But right now we're just streaming across these few points I want to make before I get into some of these other things. Okay, now we know that, that there were some very important days that have had a, a differentiation about it than other times. But let's look at Genesis 1.9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. And we explained that to you before already. And the manifold God directed the physical streams of energy. This thing of the word energy for water is very important. In the 17th chapter of Revelations and the 15th verse, it says, and God called the waters, or it says that the waters mean, are interpreted, to be people, nations, tongues, kingdoms. Now we see that waters doesn't just always mean H2O. That waters can specifically be dynamic of a similitude of a specific differentiated thing that are represented and metaphorically presented by the term. Now once you begin to get that into the sinew of your body, so that it is piercing through every fiber of your being, and this message begins to simulate in you, you'll be changed from the creature you are. 
the Bible will become a living word and you will become a living aspect of that word. And the more you get that word into you, because the Bible does say, and Jesus said this with his relationship with the Mount of of, uh, Temptation, that man must live by every word that comes or proceeds from the mouth of God. You live by every word. Because the Bible says in him you, you live and move and have your being. And it's all Bible. And it's all enfolded and unfolded. Sometimes it's triangular. Sometimes it's circular. Sometimes it's cubic. But it still maintains and retains the ultimacy of the finite and the ultimacy of the ultimate magnitude. Now, as we begin to to look into this manifold revelation of God in this Genesis interpretation. Let's get over more like into uh, the 23rd verse, 22nd, 23rd verse of uh, Genesis to where we're getting into these days of uh, fourth and fifth days of creation. Uh, because I'll tell you what, this point that I'm going to raise here probably cause a, some people to flip out. Probably cause them to have a hard time to get into the, the beauty of it. Genesis 1.23 And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Wow. Let's look at the MIV. And said a donkey. Now, I know some people have had a little difficulty with how I uh, translate some of my terms. But, you know, that synodoki is such an important word. But, you know, you can go on the Internet and you can look it up and you can see all the different kinds of ways that it is pronounced. It can be pronounced sinaduki or doki. It can be pronounced sinadupki or senekdoki. It can also be, and this one here flipped me out when I heard this one. This was crazy. Sinakodija. Sinakodija. So how do you get from Sinekodijo to Sinodoki? Well, it's whether the base root of that comes from the Latin or comes from the Greek. And if you come from some other base root, you might get a, a different transliteration. And so some of the Jerry Lee transliterations come from the Jerry Lee base. They have their own little slang to them. 
If you don't like to call it sling, call it sling, slingshot. But anyway, I'm telling you fact. Okay, here we go. Verse 124. From that, oh, let's start with it. And the sin of donkey. God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after its kind, and it was so. Now, you understand this word, synodoki, or synodoki. It means that the substance of what you have belongs to other parts of other things that are not right there in that particular particle of presentation, but that that particle of presentation belongs to those other explanations as being a part of this explanation. And sort of like Paul said, calling those things that are not as though they were. Because it is not that they did not ever belong, it's that they did belong, but you have to be in a, a position where you put those in to place, into representation. So, when you've got that and there, starting the verse in 124, you are immediately adding a word that says, and there's more than what is just here. There is more that is a part of this, more than just here. And, additionally, not just additionally to what was the verse before it, but additionally to the consistency of the content. Just like when it says, and they say, and God this and God that in the singular, and yet in the contextuality of the verses that follow, it says, let us make man. And they go into a plural, a plurality. So then their plurality does not match with the singularity. But in the manifest revelation of the MIV, of the Peace Bible, when it says manifold God, it enfolds the singularity, because in the manifold you have God, but it also then enfolds the angels, so that the manifold is the incorporate word of God. All right. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, creeping and cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after its kind, and it was so. Now, <clears throat> what happens here in the KJV interpretation is a personification of the earth. You know, that big ball of earth that is a, is a sphere, spherical type of circle, and the earth created this. Basically, that the earth did it. I mean, that's what it says. Come on, people. Let the earth bring it forth. Let the earth create it. Oh, personifying the earth? Here's the MIV. 
Therefore, from that time forth, it was said, let the manifold God plan, and now he brought, uh, be brought forth by latolution. Energies are accentuated. Energies in the atoms, in the molecules of the very dirt that are affected by the soundtron, which is the word of God, the will of God, in the 19th chapter of Psalms that says there is a line which that translates into measurement and into, uh, in the 10th chapter of Romans, into the word sound. His sound has gone out, and in Psalms, his, in the Hebrew, his word has gone out, transliterated into English, or his measurement has gone out. We, that gives us sound tron, tron from metron being measurement of the Greek. And so in every one of the, of the atoms and in the molecules of the dirt which forms the world, but it also have to include the water because the surface of the earth is much more than just dirt. It's vast amounts of ocean. And so as it says in this MIV, brings forth, instead of waters, instead of just earth, energies. So that latolution from lattice potentials begin to produce many kinds of living creatures, including cattle and other mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and other creatures, and it was accounted to be. Now you've got real living Word of God. This latolution revelation is so big. Not evolution, latolution. Evolution is not correct. It's not biblical. And it's not even scientific. Wow. Now let's go on. That was Genesis 1.23. Let's just move right on here uh, to see what else that God may, may want us to bring forth because I'll tell you what, this is absolutely interesting moment. An interesting moment when the Word of God is moving by His Spirit. And I can see that, you know, I'm already running out of time. So before I get into that fifth revelation, let me just briefly go over some of these questions and get those on, off the shelf. We answered several last week. And um, I think we left off with number nine. And ten said, Can spirits in Abraham's bosom see us? Are they aware of what's going on on earth? Well, um, there's a vast difference of space between where the, the shepherd fold, which is the major shepherd fold, and then there's a minor shepherd fold. One, the major shepherd fold is called a major, uh, a major, uh, or Ursha, Ursha major, and then the minor shepherd fold is called Ursha minor. <coughs> Another way that you would recognize them is one is called the constellation of the Big Dipper, the other is called the constellation of the Little Dipper. 
And those are two different places where the, the people of God abide and the people that are in questionable status. The ones in questionable status are in the Ursia Major, the Big Dipper area. The ones that are in the sheepfold, the elect angel type of place, are in the Asia Minor, the Little Dipper constellation area. Now, even in Ursia Major, when angels are ministering there, as obviously you could see that there's a conversation going uh, from this one man who's in Abraham's bosom, which would be the little sheepfold. And then there is the, uh, the man who is separated by a great gulf. Now this great gulf that separates him, and that's G-U-L-F, that separates him is all the kinds of things that make it so you cannot know exactly what's going on on earth, only as it's being told you by some representative of the Holy Spirit. So the answer there to that question is um, just what I said. They can only be aware as they are advised. Eleven, do we receive a new body when we die? Well, um, when you die, you may go into um, a holding. And, you know, you might be in that holding of, of, of the Abraham bosom, uh, external Abraham bosom, for a long period of time before you'd be regenerated. But when you're regenerated, if you are to be regenerated, you will take another body. You may just take another human body. Or if you're going to be of a higher nature, where you are to become a dignitary, as it describes in Jude and Revelations, then uh, you would very likely have, uh, you would either be able to, to uh, appear in a phototranslative type of form, where you look very, very human, but you're sort of like in that condition when Jesus said, don't touch me, I'm not yet ascended to the Father. Or there may be times that you will come and take a body by transfiguration similar unto what the angels like the cherubims and seraphims have. Okay, let's move on here. We've got to hustle. Is Lucifer eternal? Absolutely. If so, where is Un during the compressions? That's when the, the Bible says that all the the heavens will roll together as a scroll. Well, we describe those kind of spirits like what happened to Gog and Magog, or the Gog, let's just say, and what will happen to, to Satan if he loses uh, his court trial. Uh, he will very likely become a punctuated point in the compressions. And that's a whole teaching. Okay. Uh, thir uh, Thirteen. Will our memory return with actual, actual past experiences, or does our memory return in that we believe and understand the manifest revelation? If we are evil, 
and we are judged to be evil, and we go into the burnings, we'll be remembering all the bad things that we did. If we go into the good side of the other life, we'll be remembering all the good things we did and the Holy Spirit things, and we'll not be remembering any of those bad things because they will be washed away. Fourteen, are the appearances of the Virgin Mary of God or of Satan? Or of Lucifer, it says. Well, I think many of the times that people see the Virgin Mary, uh, I think many of the times that it's of God. But I wouldn't want to say that 100% that would be the case. I wouldn't even want to say 100% when someone saw, said they saw Jesus, that it was of God. I've been around people that said, oh, I, I, just, saw, I just saw an angel. I remember one time I was in the church and this fellow said, I just saw an angel. I said, oh, where did I see you see him at? He says, well, I opened the closet and he was inside the closet. Well, I immediately knew by my spirit that this, this man really did not see an angel. You know, he, he, he was uh, just trying to become someone that was important and recognized. So, you know, uh, th the answer is, Sure, there are sometimes maybe that people would claim that they've gotten a, re a revelation from the Virgin Mary or they saw the Virgin Mary, uh, and, and it's just absolutely a fraud. It's not true. But there are other times that some of these people, it is true. And I think that, uh, that the Protestant Church has not given credit to, to uh, Mary as much as they should. And I think that the Catholic Church has gone AWOL sometimes, a little out of line sometimes, on the things that they have given uh, a reference uh, to about her. Okay, 15. Are Jesus and Melchizedek the same entity? Are they separated entities coined with, with uh, um, Yahweh sent on different missions? Well, we know by the story, um, you know, in Hebrews, that it calls Melchizedek the king of kings. It, it calls him the king of, well, rather, let me correct that. He calls him the king of righteousness, which is another way of saying the king of kings. We know that Jesus is Christ as Yahweh is also the king of righteousness. So there is a synonymous, there is a, obviously, a likeness, but they, they represent different uh, in fulls, uh, uh, being operating in different ministries uh, for uh, bringing about different purposes. But they still are all of the same spirit, the same uh, person. And uh, uh, let's see here what I'm missing on that. Uh, uh, it says, do they, um, a, a, a note I made here, yes, they, they are different transfigurations. Are they separate entities co-owned with Yahweh sent on different missions? Um, no. Uh, they are uh, the same entity, but then when they become a super individual entity, and let me ask the, answer the next question, do we die many times in the physical universe or do we receive a new body uh, uh, that we may use until the uh, end of the universe? Um, if you are regenerated, you'll come back in a physical body. 
if you are, are, are uh, regenerated, you'll come back as a uh, elect angel a dignitary. Um, um, this could be a few times. It could be many times. The Bible says a good man falls seven times but rises each time. And you can almost make that compa comparable or comparable to resurrections, rising each time, uh, regenerations. How do we connect to an energy dot? Um, it's, in, it's in the seven thunders. You need, you've got that book. You need to just read that in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, the universes and you'll come across the energy dot. Read it in there. If you don't have the book, you need to get it. For, uh, 18. Do you know the progressions after death? Well, uh, you're personalizing this to me. Uh, I've given the list of all the different kinds of hells and the different levels of heaven. Uh, but the progressions all have to do with the levels of uh, holiness that you have reached and the levels of love you've reached. And uh, that's the best way I know how to answer that. How do we fight the dark forces? Verse uh, 19, uh, you, the Bible says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. A lot of this, though, has to do with the conditioning of your mind. Taking, taking authority over your mind uh, is a very important thing. Finally, are Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and Melchizedek all co-owned with Yahweh right now, or do they live separate from the Father? They live separate from the Father. Why? Because time is going on. We teach this. There's thousands of, of, of years yet left to, to live. And so, you know, there will be uh, times that they will come back. So they will not go back into the co-owning until all of that time has elapsed, and all of the possible regenerations of the fallen Ophidim angels have been completed that are going to be and can be completed. And that answers all those questions and we're going to stop right now and Janet Lee is going to take over for about five minutes and then we'll start with the reading.
All right, let's uh, get right on it. Um, before I start reading the Gog thing, though, I, I just got to finish up this one point that I uh, was going to read from Genesis. Now, there's an interesting thing in Genesis. And um, in the um, first uh, 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 chapter of Genesis, uh, you have these different days that it tells the different creations. And um, in the 19th verse of the first chapter of Genesis, it says, And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now that finishes up everything that was said before then. Then what happens? And God said, uh, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, the fowl that may fly uh, above the earth and in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly. Now this word... Um, you know, uh, the whale actually uh, translates uh, to monster or dragon or, or dinosaur. And uh, so now uh, let's get into the, um, the uh, MIV on that. Um, you know, God said, let the waters. We notice that in verse uh, 20. Uh, but interestingly, uh, you know, um, when we get into verse 1 and 24, it said, And God said, Let the earth bring forth. So now there's a differentiation that is made here in the, in the scriptures that have to do with the entitlement of creator. We remember reading in 13th chapter of, of Matthew where it showed that the devil or Satan or Lucifer Satan was involved uh, in creating uh, these tares, which were actually the children of, of, of Satan, which means they were creations manufactured by Satan or, or visualized by Satan. Okay, now um, here's what can happen sometimes. Uh, sometimes God can put a blessing on something. And like, for instance, Saul. Saul had a blessing and an anointing on him. And so when he went against the will of God, uh, that blessing just wasn't chopped off immediately. Uh, in fact, um, uh, David made it very clear, be very, very careful that you don't go out there and put your hand against Saul. Uh, there was a man that went and when uh, uh, he ran into Saul who was wounded and, and you know, he was going to die, but he felt that the Philistines got hold of him. They would torture him. So he said to this man, you know, kill me so I won't be tortured. So he went ahead and killed him. Then he I went to, to David and he says, huh, I did a pretty great thing. Your, you know, your enemy Saul, I killed him. Yeah, well, he was already wounded, but he wanted me to kill him, but I killed him. And, and uh, David says, because of you doing that, you will die. You know, thou shalt not touch God's anointed. So uh, something, once it has a blessing on it, it's like the scripture that says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So when we, um, uh, we have... Uh, things happen in the creation and suddenly uh, th there starts to be something created uh, but one of the people at the helm is uh, an, an, an angel, a cherubim angel uh, who has been assigned to be the covering angel and he begins to do something that's wrong. Uh, he is still under the anointing. He is still under the blessing and he still has the, the, the title uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, of like the morning star. He still has that title because he has taken over in the, the office of Yaviel for that particular time 
time while Yahweh's uh, first presence is no longer there among the general angel audience, but it's out in uh, the creation with a specific particular group of angels doing the creation. And so uh, he then has on him that that Lucifer uh, has on him the office of the morning star. He has on him the blessing and the anointing. So then when he goes out there and he begins, begins to create, when the Bible says that, you know, God blessed his creation, it's because that blessing was already made and already put in place, just like when the anointing was put on Saul, even though he turned and did some things bad, you've got to be very, very careful who you are that touches God's anointing. Uh, and, and are anointed because uh, it, it, it's nothing to play with. And and people like Saul, you know, uh, they very likely will be regenerated uh, because if you really look at the things that Saul did compared to the things that David did, there was a lot more mercy shown to David for doing worse things than what Saul ever did. Ever did. And so God is a fair judge. And, and so that has all worked out in the regenerations. So that's why you have to be very, very careful about uh, touching God's anointed. Okay, so then, now that brings us to something very, very interesting, uh, and that is in uh, Genesis 1.20, we have the waters are bringing, bringing forth, you know, and, and, and in the um, manifold revelation or the uh, MIV revelation, it says in 120, again, manifold God, uh, Yahweh and the Ophanim decreed, let the waters bring forth, that is to say, let us assign Lucifer as a covering angel for the creation while Yahweh and the leadership angels go into creation to spirit creation. Let them produce swarming creatures, cells of life from which may emerge flying creatures of the air. Now, this is what that is really saying there. And, and you can see that in, the, in, the, in the, the 17th chapter of Revelation and the 15th verse that I already quoted you when it says, you know, what are the waters that the woman sits on? Well, they represent nations, peoples, tongues, kindred, you know. Uh, and that's what the waters were representing right here in, in, in uh, uh, you know, the, the book of Genesis. The, the word of God stays the same. It's the same language. He doesn't speak one language back in the time of Genesis and another language in the time of Revelations. Those symbol, symbols and, and metaphors and parables all come back to meaning the same thing. And so uh, we, have, we have that happen. Then, um, uh, uh, as, as we... Uh, Go to ver verse 21 of Genesis. Um, and God created great whales and God. Okay? Uh, you mean, but how could it be calling, how could it be calling uh, Lucifer God? Well, he was an archangel. And, and, and he was a God. And when we use this word God here, you have to keep in mind, that's, a, that's a basically an errant translation. It should really say manifold God. Then that would include the Holy Spirit representation of God in the people or in the angels and, and include the angels. And so then the word Elohim would be totally, beautifully translated and understood. And so it certainly does, when it says God here, include Lucifer, who was a cherubim angel and who, who was, a, 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 you know, an, an archangel. So, um, uh, and so it goes on, um, and God 
created great whales and ever living. Now, whales ends up turning out to really mean, you look it up in Strong's Concordance yourself, they're really talking about, uh, you know, giants, uh, uh, creatures, uh, like, uh, you know, like, like dinosaurs and our, our dragons uh, uh, and even monsters, it says. So in translation in the MIV, then the waters as energized, the waters being energized angelic beings, being subject to Lucifer's instructions, cause germ creatures of life to emerge, such capable of reproduction of its type from such germ creatures emerged, great dragon monsters, dinosaurs, flying creatures, um, monsters, Great dragon monsters, dinosaurs in parentheses, meaning that that was all. That's what they were. Uh, they were called dragons, but they were di also called later in the eighteenth, eighteen hundreds. They were called dinosaurs, flying creatures, and a prolificity of other living creatures. Uh, th thus, as was said, how God's word was accounted to be. Okay, now that was then uh, the fifth age. Uh, the fifth generation age of creation. And we say that during that fifth generation age of creation, uh, Lucifer, Satan, began to create all these, these different things. He didn't create the dinosaurs necessarily first, but there was a, a whole uh, production of creation. Now, they're finding unusual things. Uh, every a short period of time that goes by, archaeologically, uh, they are discovering things that keep taking uh, uh, the creation of uh, of entities and of manufactured things further and further back in time. Just um, uh, fairly recently, uh, you know, there was discovered a metallic part in Russia that was embedded in coal. The coal uh, goes back 300 million years. 300 million years, according to Russian scientists. And it's only a partial of that. But let's go for the 300 million. And they, this part they found was manufactured in aluminum. And, uh, and it, it was a part like would be used in a microscope or a technical uh, 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 type of, of instrument. And uh, it dated back to that time. Uh, since then, you know, they have found um, a, a silver in, encrusted uh, type of bowl uh, going, going back 185 million years. Uh, they, they found uh, an iron pot going back 300, uh, you know, uh, 12 million years. Uh, they found um, uh, these... Uh, uh, these uh, sort of balls that had grooves in them. They were spheres, you could call them that. They had grooves going back to 2.8 billion years. Uh, that's just a few of them. Uh, there's a book called Forbidden uh, Archaeology that tells of all kinds of creations that have been found in coal that go way back millions of years. Uh, they're beginning to find bones of humans going back hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, there is a story that has not been known. And the more of this that is coming out, the more there is a question as to the interpretations in the churches today on the Bible. Uh, this age of manifest revelation is coming up the ro road. It, it 
Uh, it's ahead of the scientific discoveries. It's ahead of the archaeological discoveries. We, we've been ministering this word for 50, over 50 years and, and been saying these things, and now they are suddenly being manifested. Yes, when the Lord said 100 years before uh, the time, uh, you can see it. Now, 75 years of my life have passed as of yesterday, and... and um, uh, uh, you know, have brought me up to the 75th year as of yesterday. And uh, uh, you can just see in that, that time of my life, all of these things that are manifest revelation are beginning to come out in discoveries uh, of archaeology, of, of astronomy, of, of uh, biology, of, of all the different kinds of science, uh, you know, and it's just verifying the interpretation, the manifestations, and, and the revelation of this word. And so uh, when we talk about these tares, these children of, of, of the devil, of Satan that were created, uh, yeah, there no doubt was a high technical uh, type of civilization that Lucifer created on that time, even before he created the dinosaur monsters. And if we were to go into the book of the wars, which I'm going to be bringing you into one of these days, it would begin to tell the story of these other highly technical, advanced uh, civilizations that lived out there. And I'm talking even before, uh, you know, uh, the Gihon, the Hedekel, and, uh, and, and the Euphrates, and, and, you know, so forth kind of people. I'm talking about uh, Koun angels coming and taking bodies. Uh, I'm talking about children of Satan. When the twelfth chapter of the book of Revelation it says, and and Lucifer was kicked out of heaven, and and Senadoki, and much more to be said. That's just a part, and his angels, and so they were all part of the plan. And, and you know, what are we going to find? We're going to find civilizations. We're going to find uh, lost uh, worlds on this earth that people never dreamed of being there. And the manifest of this word is going to bring those things out reveal, and reveal them to the people what the tares, the children of, of, of Satan really are about, what the story really is. Uh, I'll tell you, it is absolutely uh, exciting. It is absolutely beyond the beyond uh, there is nothing quite like, you know, that, uh, that revelation of, of, of the Word of God. Okay, now let's get into uh, the, the story of God. Uh, here we go. Parable of the superpotentate to potentate Alphan Gog. In the present world, which is the eighth universe, there is a writ spoken of that uh, in met metaphors that describe the gods. Now, I read that part to you the other day, and it goes like this, O Gog, are you not the one of interior beginnings that I spoke to to my mes messengers, saying, in latter times, you would come against God's defenders. The word defender it comes from using the word Israel, uh, which can mean defenders. Defenders of humanity speak to God. The principality image from the world's past and say, The Lord is against you, Gog. Therefore, when your image is regenerated from the depths of the sixth dimension, we've talked about that, you know, uh, we, we've gotten into this thing last week of the, of the hexagon this, that is on the, the North Pole of Saturn. Uh, these 
gods that have been worshipped, uh, which all came out of the the uh, the Babel uh, um, uh, creation uh, that later ends up still alive, still happening in the book of of Revelations, and the gods still alive, still happening in the book of Revelations. All these things, you know, are a continuity going on throughout the ages of time, uh, throughout the thousands of years, uh, because they all are part of one story, you know. And so, uh, as we have uh, shown you these things, how that these stories connect with the other planets, they connect with life going back on this planet here, uh, millions of years. Uh, there's many, many different levels you'll get to see a lot of these when the book of of the wars is is taught to you and and written when the the book of uh of, of the father's house is totally taught to you and written uh your minds will be a whirlpool of of the information of the glories of god okay now let's go on and with this uh from the parables of the alpha and the of uh omega orders um Okay, many eternities passed. Uh, living constructions called the gogs dominated the dome sphere, uh, spheres of the inner alpha. The, those gogs lived perpetuations before the genesis of universal orders. Now, they were a long, long time. They were not even in any of the universes. They were way before the universes. When as yet the clocks of universal time had not begun to tick, as yet, the first domain did not exist. First domain being the heaven of heavens. For the Be'om, it's another name for God, the Almighty, the God of gods, had not separated M's higher presence from the spirit side of the Gog world of living constructions. As yet, the spark of awe was still in scintillation and suspension as an energy dot, or as one may say, a kind of punctuated point. During those great epics of the Gog world, living constructions arose that were, uh, uh, that were called very good, and living constructions arose that conjuncted evil. By merging misconduct to rebellion. Now, just a minute while I make a note here. Okay. It came to pass in the course of inner alpha that the very intelligent and cunning alphan, from the word alpha, a named Gog, G-O-G, whom the king I am regarded, became a super potentate. Of all the inner alpha living constructions, there was not an alphan, Alphan as intelligent and cunning as Gog. But it came to pass in the course of inner Alpha uh, that Gog began to think unwise thoughts of how to become equal to the king I am. So it was Gog, Gog asked the king I am, how would it be possible for one to become as wise and strong as my holy king? But the I am knowing Gog's intent said, should ever an entity or entities contrive to perfect or project resolutions greater than my energy by producing a versatile formation of wisdom by which to penetrate my inner oracle, 
Then and only then shall they know if they have achieved equality. However, this the I Am did not say to Gog. In all the spans of perpetuity, it shall never be possible to penetrate I Am's oracle, for it is M's center of, of being, and the intracentrum, I-N-T-R-A dash or hyphen, C-E-N-T-R-U-M, complex of intelligence. Nor would it be possible to set I am aside or to acquire independence co-equally with I am. For to acquire a oneness with the I am is, is with I am's equality is not possible except through submission to the I am. And to become one with the I am is only possible through co-owning with the I am. Otherwise, desiring equality to I am's mind is to desire separation from I am. They that desire to be set aside from the king's authorship deny M's supremacy and M's almightiness and therefore seek a personal superiority. If there were noble ones, whether envoys good or envoys evil, whether angels, uh, potentates, uh, principalities, gods, or powers, and they united to project hostile emissions against the invisible ultimate king I am, their total energies could not intercess or intermingle the pure energy of M's oracle. For the biome knows each one's lattice and wavelength, or as it may be said, the circuit imprint of each one's body and spirit, and the po- potential extent of that person's intensities and projections. Therefore, in less than one instant, King I Am could overwhelm them by rebounding their energies and sheen, S-H-E-E-N, densities to themselves. The network of M's mind lattice is pure. The wavelengths of M's thought energies know boundless capabilities. There is not now, nor has there ever been, nor will there ever be, enough jealousy, hatred, envy, covetousness in all existence to overshadow M's unending love. Nor could it be possible that all God's children would err to rival the Biom, the I Am. Then Gog, still determined to become as the I Am, went among the living constructions and working wonders, swept away the hearts of the multitudes unto, uh, unto uns concepts. Uns is you, you, N-S. That is a word to replace the pronouns like he, she, his, hers, etc. All of this was done by Gog because of uns obsession to become equal to the I am and because un did not perceive that Un's idea was deviating from the perfect order. Nevertheless, King Biom did not say to God, Cease. But M gently said, You can be leader of these Alphans and others, but you must only serve your king, and only your king must you teach them to worship. Then Gog, in a voice of much persuasion, queried, My king, you know my heart. You know I respect you. Surely you know it is not in me to bring you dishonor. 
Why must I do servitude? Must I be a servant to prove my love? Have you not searched my spirit? Let me love you, but let me set it be set aside. Grant me this exemption so that I may prove that my love for you is independent of your love for me. Tenderly the king replied, Oneness is unity. Duarchy is disunity. Love without service is incommunicative. To speak and say, I love, does not by itself convey what love demands. But God, not satisfied with this answer, insisted all the more, Yet let me go and prove my love without service. Answering sadly, King I am said, Go, but without my peace. Then Gog went out from the presence of the king, king's voice and began working with great endeavor. So it was Gog, having won the affection of the multitudes, set himself up in their eyes as Gog. As God. Set himself up in their eyes as God. After the courses of many events, valiant ones among the multitudes of Gog began to assume leadership positions. Then one whose name was Agog, A-G-O-G, said to Gog, Let me lead the wheels of these legions of Agog to challenge the privileged holy presentator, envoys. For why should they alone be esteemed before the invisible ultimate beyond? Ignorance, ignorance, Gog retorted angrily. Cease such, cease such ignorance. To defy the holy presentators is to defy the beyond, who could, whose power could dispel all your legions with but a thought or glance. Know you not that the presentators are projections, a projection entities of the beyond's self-attributes personified? Wounded in pride and filled with resentment, Agog defiantly took Un's legions to set them aside from Gog, for Agog was nevertheless inspired by the self-confidence of Un's own genius. Agog was a mind telepather and inventor. It was Agog who created the Pyramogens. The Pyramogens represented multifused intelligence. So it was Agog planned to surpass all systems and intelligent networks by Un's latest concepts to link the mind intelligence to the Plermas or the Plermogens. As a Tropospiritus, Agog believed that the spiritual world was begun by the advancing of the physical world rather than the opposite viewpoint, as had been taught by I am. Consequently, Agog believed Un could use accelerated mentalities of the Plermas to outperform the mind power of the holy presentators, for Agog held the concept that the, that the presentators, having been imaged by I am, actually became entities in their own power and thereby set themselves aside from I am. It was such thoughts as these that were repulsive to the king I am. But Gog authoritatively, authoritatively asserted, You shall not set yourself and your legions apart from me. I am your potentate, 
and you must remain loyal to me. Thus it was. God's reasoning was misguided because Un's standard for unself was not the same standard Un held for others. It was such an event as this that would later raise certain voices to say it was at this point sin was born. Then Gog set himself to destroy the plans of Agog by neutralizing the Plermas. Thus, Gog planned to achieve this. Gog, Gog planned to achieve by projecting introversions into their mental processes. Thus, Gog and Agog and many of the great Gogs, such as Ogog, Mogog, Magog, Lugog, Tugog, Himagog began to war in the Alpha Heavens. So it was, the great Biom, the invisible ultimate king, looked upon the disarray and disdained the hatred among the discontented inner Alpha constructions. For so it was, the spirit of war and hatred burned as a fire in the inner Alpha Heavens. Then the Biom said, God respects me out of fear but not out of loyal love. And Agog, because of Un's one trackness of mind, ignorantly does not love or fear me. Therefore, Beom, entering into the higher accelerations, E-X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-I-O-N-S, of M's mind, which may more specifically be said, being the higher generating degrees of the excellency of M's mind, separated M's innermost being and first presence forever, without and from such as inner Alpha constructions. For so it was, as the Alpha creator, the I Am searched for breathers and of, of M's divine breath, but few were found. Then the invisible ultimate I Am pronounced, I Am because I Am. I am all in all. I am the divine life. I have always existed. I am perpetual. After many successions of allowing the alien ways of the defiant Alphans, the I am sought means to make them temporal creatures. For the Alphans had self-regenerated bodies as well as spirits, capable of being charged and recharged eternally. Yet it was not in God's foremost plan. As he said, it is not in my foremost desire to think of or to imagine creatures of life that were not to be perpetually alive. I was moved within myself to imagine life that was not unending, for I knew temporary life was contrary to spiritual reality. Perpetual soul energy can never become deperpetuated. Since the life substance of the inner alpha creatures consisted of perpetual energy status, differing only by degrees of pro progression, it was not possible to deperpetuate such energy. Accordingly, I began to deal with the characteristics of life substance as it is identified and related through its compositions of conscious energy potentials, regressions, and tones. Then I knew from henceforth what I must do. 
I must put a dividing margin between the conceptual substance of the body, spirit, and aura soulship of all to be future entities. I also understood that by such construction I shall bring forth creatures that were temporary. These were the kind of things that the I am said. Further, he said, some having only pulsary bodies, some having bodies and spirits, some having bodies, spirits, and aura soul status, would have unending life of soul as long as they were aura soul connected. And it would be so that even those constructed with eternity Eternal qualities, having body, soul, and aura, soul status, could be dealt with should they rebel abominably. For such rebellion to occur, I could at any time then recall my aura, soul signals from them, but allow their bodies and spirits to live perpetually temper in temporary spaces. Furthermore, as to Certain creations have only awareness of spiritual happenings, but not spiritual consciousness. That is to say, however, that by spiritual dispensation, such creatures could not be transposed to greater living. Of the many generations I brought forth in my creation to become messengers, the inner alpha mes miscreants were a product and were a paradox not only to themselves, but also to my representatives. And so, we'll stop there in the reading and hope to continue next week. Maybe we'd be able to read the rest of the story of the gods. But I hope you're beginning to get the picture in the story. I hope you begin to see in this revelation of the parable of the tares, being the children of Satan, the creations of Satan, how that he has been involved, and how that when he was involved as a covering angel, he came under the blessing. But then eventually, at some time later, after war in heaven, he and his angels were dismissed from heaven, and they were caused to fall from the heavens unto the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, these are great stories of truth. And they're in the Bible. But so much of it is recorded in the invisible Bible, which has to be manifested and magnified. And there is much that's involved in the stories that there are just particles and pieces and fragments of it left in the Bible. But it is possible, just like DNA, to take those fragments and to magnify them and to engorge them with energy so that they begin to broadcasting the whole of that story. And this is what I intend to do when eventually I begin to bring you the book of the war, the wars of the gods. And when I begin to bring you that incredible revelation of the battle of the rings, the rings of good and the rings of evil. May God bless you and keep you and cause his light to shine upon you. May his Holy Spirit guide you into this truth of the manifest teachings. And may you come to that place 
of liberation. My Father, which art in heaven, reach out and touch these people today who are sick in body, wounded, needing healing and deliverance. Reach out and touch them, heal them, and make them whole. God bless you. Until next week. In the meanwhile, check out the blogs and see me on Facebook. Amen.